Welcome to Wisdom, Love, and Beauty, a podcast for the soul and the home of dangerous wisdom. This is Dr. Nikos, your friendly neighborhood soul doctor, and here we are at another week of Yijing Insights. This week, when asked what is the most important thing for us to know, Yijing offers hexagram 27. As usual, we can render this hexagram in several ways. It has a solid line on the top and a solid line on the bottom and open lines all in between. So of the six lines, the top and bottom, solid, yang lines, and all the rest are yin lines. So the hexagram itself might remind us of two lips and an open mouth. The Chinese character for this hexagram is yi, which indicates the jaw. We might call it nourishment. Now for this hexagram, we should consider two aspects of nourishment, both of which I think can be subtle because they're so intimate and ultimately so obvious. I think we can imagine we understand nourishment because it seems so obvious. It seems like something we're very used to. What is it like to get nourishment? We know what it's like to eat. But if we truly understood nourishment, we wouldn't suffer. That's what the wisdom traditions suggest. Now, maybe we should even pause and clear our minds a moment to take that in. Because it seems like a big suggestion about something so seemingly simple. If we truly understood nourishment, we wouldn't suffer. Now, sometimes Yijing gives us pretty significant chunks of wisdom to chew on, and it can take a good deal of patience to understand and then wonderstand Yijing's guidance. What makes nourishment such a big deal? Not a whole lot of philosophers taught about nourishment, or we could say not a whole lot of traditions focus on it. You see it in various traditions, for sure. But say in the dominant culture, Nietzsche might have thought about it more than most of the well-known philosophers. He tried to get at the philosophical importance of health and vitality. And it seems to me, among world philosophers, Buddha spoke about nourishment more than many others. And his use of the concept is pretty compelling. And he spoke about it so much that when one of his very brightest students, Shariputra, was uh, talking about how to best understand the right view of reality. Remember the Eightfold Path, the first thing is the right view, having the right view. And in talking about how to arrive at the right view, he discusses nutriment before mentioning the Four Noble Truths. And that's because Buddha taught that everything depends on nutriment. Seems like a simple philosophical notion, but there's a lot of depth there. It means that happiness depends on nutriment. The body and mind that we have depend on nutriment. Our success or failure in life depends on nutriment. Or we might think that ignorance depends on a lack of nutriment. 
that if we get properly nourished, we become wise. Now, we got half of that right. Yes, if we get properly nourished, we become wise. But Buddha actually taught that ignorance depends on nutriment. We have to feed ourselves in a certain way to keep ourselves ignorant. We're not ignorant by default. We're ignorant in dependence upon feeding it. If we experience suffering, stress, failure, anything negative, Buddha wants us to know that such things cannot persist by themselves. In order for anger to appear, we have to feed it. In order for depression, anxiety, and stress to appear, we have to feed them. If we watch our anger, our depression, our confusion, or our fear, we find they eventually fade. They can't persist. They don't have magical powers. They depend on nutriment to arise, and they depend on nutriment to persist for any length of time. So, we find ourselves faced with the question of what will we nourish? Will we nourish happiness, peace, joy, clarity of mind, and so on? Or will we nourish ignorance and experiences of ignorance? Experiences that depend on ignorance. And this also de deliberately expands our sense of nutriment. You know, we might think of nutriment as nuts and berries, but it's also books, social media, movies. When we look at a flower, not eating it, just looking at it, we can feed happiness, clarity of mind, and even insight. Our mind depends on nutriment. Our emotions depend on nutriment. And even our bodies depend on nutriments like walking in the forest. Not just what we eat, but what we look at. The beings we encounter and engage with every day function as nutriments for either well-being or ill-being, either bondage or liberation. And it's all held together, all of it. It's not one part that we can pull out and say, this is what nutriment is, or this is the nutriment that creates ignorance. All the things go together. It's very holistic. So the first essential aspect of nourishment or nutriment is that all things depend on nourishment. The second essential aspect of nourishment is that nourishment arises as part of the interwovenness of all things, and these go together. And that second part might also seem way too obvious, but we have to get beyond our intellectual reaction and arrive at some kind of deeper understanding. You know, our default association with nutriment is that we take it in or we offer it. You know, I, you make me a sandwich and I eat it, or I make you a sandwich and you eat it. If we look carefully when we eat or when we read, our default response is that we relate to that like we're nourishing ourselves. I open a book and I feel like I'm, I'm nourishing my mind. I eat the salad and I feel like I'm nourishing my body. But nourishing and being nourished go completely together. The dominant culture practices taking nourishment
usually for ill-being, actually, come to think of it. That's the kind of real basic practice, is we, we, take, we have a lot of nourishment available in our culture that really doesn't give us well-being. And as we take it, we offer ill-being in return, which is really funny. But even if we take in something that seems like it's for well-being, we often only offer ill-being on balance, in return. So we might eat the finest organic foods available, but we, we didn't grow the foods ourselves. And our use of those foods for nourishment may, on balance, degrade ecologies rather than regenerating them. Maybe the food comes from far away. Maybe it was in a field that was made a monoculture. So it seems all wonderful that we're eating the organic kale, but there's a massive field of kale that was planted someplace where there used to be a thriving ecology of many sentient beings. Now, in contrast to our way of nourishment, when beavers build their dams, they take down trees. But the dams they create nourish the whole riparian ecology, including many other trees and countless other beings. Beavers, like so many non-human beings, can teach us a lot about the inherent mutuality of nourishment and how to make that mutuality positive. A healthy culture has a commitment to mutual nourishment for the good of all. And it makes that mutual nourishment part of the aim of education. In the dominant culture, our education teaches us to take without clarity about how we can give back in order to accomplish holistically positive nourishment. To make that mutuality positive so that our activity in the world nourishes the world. Last week we received news about the UN climate report. And it seems we needed to have that report first in order to allow this big concept of nourishment to have its fuller meaning. If Yi Jing had offered this response last week, we might have missed an opportunity to reflect on nourishment at a global scale. But this report has had time to sink in for a lot of people. If you haven't reflected on it, now, now might be a good time. And the essence of this week's Yijing insights might relate to thinking about nourishment in a visionary way. As one of the translators we sometimes quote, Stephen Karcher puts it, this hexagram is a seed figure. It's a major site of initiation and creative transformation. That's a, a really good way of putting it. It's a powerful hexagram. It opens us up to accepting and using this great power of nourishment that we inherently have, because you can't live without it. We participate in this mutuality of nourishment inescapably in this world. If we live in this world, that's how it is. And given our historical context, this seems to relate to the work we need to do But to understand how to nourish all beings, how to offer nourishment back to others, back to the whole community of life that supports us completely, without that community of life we wouldn't exist. 
So to understand how to nourish in return, we need to begin to sense the subtle dimensions, the, you could say, invisible aspects of nutriment. What is the invisible presence that functions at the root of all the activity of nourishment? Can we find a way to nourish the community of life in return for all we receive? We depend totally on forests, flowers, bees, beavers, horses, grasses, mountains, and waters. We can read or hear in the news that indigenous people try to nourish the waters. There are water protectors trying to take care of the water because they understand this mutuality of nourishment. Many of those indigenous people wouldn't take water from a river without keeping in mind this mutuality and understanding how to give back to the river, how to make the exchange of mutuality positive on the whole. So since we depend on the community of life, since we must engage in this mutuality of nourishment, to what degree can we take, or to what degree do we take, without giving back in kind, and to what degree can our activity in the world begin to nourish all things? It's a big visionary question. So reflect on it. Reflect on this patterning and see how it goes. Next time we'll have further insights, and we'll look at the single moving line, I think. We just had one, and it will be important, I think, to reflect on it. In the meantime, if you have questions, reflections, or stories of synchronicity to share, send them in through wisdomloveandbeauty.org, and we might bring some of them into a future contemplation. Until then, this is Dr. Nikos, your friendly neighborhood soul doctor, reminding you that your soul and the soul of the world are not two things. Take good care of them.